Welcome into episode 64 of the Pegasus Podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at by CA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Hi, we're back. Remember Hello. us? Welcome it, back, it feels, listeners. We took a week off for the first time in the podcast's history, and it feels like it's been at least three weeks since we've spoken over Zoom. I texted you a couple days ago and I was like, I feel like we haven't done a podcast in five years. Like, I just, I don't know what it was. I also like, I don't know if you get this because as if you listen to our most recent episode, the most recent episode that both of us, the most, the most recent episode was me like blabbering about uniforms for 10 minutes. Um, Like, do you ever get the thing where you go on a vacation? Cause I was on a cruise. And like, when you get back, even if the vacation was like five days, six days, it feels like the stuff pre-vacation was like four months ago. Or is that just a me thing? Yeah, I think, I think I can relate to that. Okay, because that's kind of what I'm going like through. In general, yeah. You've never been on a cruise? No, I haven't. Oh, you should have come on this one. It was great. Um, <laughs> anyway. Glad you're inviting me after the fact. If I knew you hadn't gone on one, I would have invited you. Oh, you just nice. seemed like a guy who's been on a cruise. I don't know how to explain that, but I don't know. Like, I'm not sure how be, to take that. You just It's not a bad thing. I, I think cruises are the best thing in the world. I don't know if I ever talked about it. So people who follow me on Twitter like know that I get weirdly obsessed I'm with so things. I'm so glad we're like, back. <laughs> <laughs> Like I love Olive Garden. Everyone knows that huge Olive Garden fan. I I love cruises. I think cruises are the coolest thing in the world. Like when I was a kid, I would like get home from school and get on and go to like royalcaribbeanblog.com and like read about the new ships they were building that was going to be on them. Like I'm nuts for cruises. And this was my first cruise in like years because there was this freaking pandemic and it was a whole thing. So um, remember that (laughs) I watched multiple UCF basketball games on the cruises. They won all of them except the last one. So yeah. 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 Okay. I did. It's not a bad record for them on, on your cruise. Two and one while I'm on a boat. So take that for what it's worth. Um, men's basketball is one and one. And uh, yeah, it's... wow, women's basketball is undefeated when I watch the team on a ship. That's a stat. <laughs> I'll tweet that at some point. Um, I think you need to go on another cruise this weekend. I'd love to, man. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, have, uh, we'll have UCF <laughs> women's basketball or UCF athletics fund that for you. I was about to say to like taunt Florida, I should go on a cruise out of Gainesville. And then I remember there's just no water anywhere near Gainesville. <laughs> so that doesn't make sense. But yeah. anyway, anyway, cruises are cool. Spring football is also cool. Yeah, it is. It's starting. Well, as you're speak, as, as you're listening to this, as we're speaking, it's tomorrow. As you're listening to this spring football practices are underway for UCF. And it's like, it's always nice when spring spring ball comes around because it's, <laughs> It's like, it's dumb, but it's like, it's a few weeks where it just actually isn't the off season anymore. Like it's still the off season, but it's like a few weeks where it's like, okay, like this can tie us over for a little bit. And then, yeah, once it's over, it's going to suck. Cause then we hit to hit, hit the summer where we're like, all right, this is just going to drag and drag, but it's nice. We have actually have stuff to talk about. Um, Gus Malzahn had a press conference on Monday and, you know, kind of his pre pre spring ball press conference. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit about that. If you have any thoughts on that, Christian, we haven't really talked about that. Oh, but I have a bunch. Then we're going to go into, um, we both have, we're bringing two questions to the table each about uh, like our biggest questions entering spring ball. And then we've got some big questions that, you know, both of us are going to speak on after that. Um, so yeah, what, what were your, what were your, any takeaways, big takeaways from um, Gus's press conference on Monday without getting into your questions yet? Um, well, okay. Without getting my questions. Um, yeah, that's I, the qualifier. <laughs> I, I know. So Gus Malzahn was trying to praise, um, what's his face, Daniel Obarski. And he managed to say, he quote, has a lot of confidence, but we're going to play the best guy. And like, I, I, like, I want to be clear, like it, like Malzahn was trying to praise him, but it just came across as so dismissive. Like it was like, oh, he's really confident, but yeah, he's not going to play. <laughs> 
so what I don't, I'm realizing I what I'm realizing is I said can you give me your takeaways without getting into your questions forgetting that I didn't say without getting into also getting into my questions so we'll talk more about kickers later well we will I, I'm just like <laughs> so can I talk yeah. about the injury stuff or is that yeah, part yeah. of it that's okay. what that's what yeah we need to talk about that so the big ones it was so Malzahn said Gerard Baker Jarvis Ware Quadric Bullard and Riker Casey are not going to participate in spring ball I think the big surprise there is Quadric Bullard did he have in, an injury we knew about I don't remember. I don't Jarvis, remember Riker, Riker Casey getting injured either. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. And Jarvis Ware, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, it just doesn't. And I, I mean, mean, Jarvis Ware, I mean, I'm assuming that's still just, I mean, he tore his, which at whatever ACL, he I tore, is it ACL? Not that I think like, so. That was right was before right, the was, season started. So yeah, that yeah. would make sense that he's not ready yet. The more concerning ones to me are um, RJ Harvey and Terrence Lewis, who are both listed as limited. Gus said they'll be limited. I am very confused. Like Terrence Lewis, I looked it up. He had ACL surgery January of 2020. How is he still? And it was January injury, 2020? 2021, excuse me. January okay. 2021. Thank you for correcting me. And he tore it in like fall of 2020. Like, how is he still not healthy? I don't know. I don't know that I want to take that to mean he's not healthy yet. I just think that these are two guys that are coming off of ACL surgeries. And there's no reason for like in spring ball to push them to full participation. Cause like anytime you're coming back from an injury like that, I would imagine you're going to be limited at first in some capacity. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't think anyone really asked him and I don't know if he would have said it either way, but I don't know if he's going to be limited like throughout the entire spring practice. But my, my assumption off of that, and this could be wrong would be that he was, those guys are getting eased in as the weeks go on. And maybe by the end, they'll see how healthy they are and if they can go further, but that would be, that'll be my guess on it. Cause I can't imagine that. No, he's not like, he's not actually recovered like from his ACL surgery. I just think they want to probably bring him back slowly since it's the spring. I mean, I do worry about which first off I'm astounded at all the Gus, like without being asked, just was like, here's who's injured. That was a departure yeah. from the entire first year of his tenure. But um, like the, the other thing about Terrence Lewis is like, you know, he's not the biggest linebacker. I mean, it was like his explosiveness and his speed that made him so effective in high school. So I do worry just to like, how much like I know it's 2022 ACL injuries aren't supposed to be like career altering things anymore, but it's just the length of time and the fact that he played on it while it was injured. And now we're however many months down the road, he's still limited, which I, I, I don't think you are wrong. I think that makes sense, but I don't know. It's just sort of brought up anxiety about Terrence Lewis to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and that's, I get it. I just, I'm not sure. It, and we'll see what limited means in terms of what he's doing and We'll see. I mean, yeah, well, I guess we'll see in practice. I don't know how much how much we'll get in terms of updates and stuff like that. But and there's not it doesn't sound like there's going to be those open practices on Saturdays like we want there to be. But I believe that there might be one or two for the shareholders, which does not help uh, me because I am not rich. So but <laughs> the follow up question there is I, I doubt it because it's just not UCF's style. But I wonder if they would make the accesses the shareholders are at open to media. And that, possibly that yeah. to see but that also just seems anti everything i kind of don't think so. they will though because remember it wasn't it last year it was like oh don't like talk anything about like if you're media don't talk about anything you're seeing but like you're a fan so like, it doesn't really matter yeah they straight wasn't up told like media weird... you can be at access with the two to three thousand fans who are also there but you are not allowed to report on what you see that the fans like the fans were talking about it nonstop. Like this you, you can't tell the fans what to do so like that's the thing is well, I, I just since, said since... Uh, why well, I, I just said okay and there is a fan Right. About like with, with them making that distinction, that's what makes me think they're just going to let the shareholders in and not the media. That no, like guess. I said, I, I other schools that might make sense. UCF, especially since Malzahn came in, has been very like, 
media don't get anything. So like I, that would surprise me, but I'm saying like, yeah. there could be a chance of that. Cause the, the other thing is like, if I'm UCF, like, I don't know, like I would rather have, if you're going to have an open access, cause what are the shareholders going to do? They're going to go tweet about what they saw. So would you rather have uneducated rich fans who li- have lots of followers on Twitter go and say all this stuff? Or would you rather have media stories on what happened? I don't know that that's your, that's your call, but I, yeah. So we'll Un- see. uneducated rich fans sounds like more of a slight than I think it was intended to be. I meant it exactly as I said it. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I love enough. you guys. No, I love UCF fans. It's just I also follow you guys and I see the things you tweet. <laughs> and sometimes it's a lot. That's that's all. Yeah. We we yeah, we yeah, yeah. Oh, let's not get any further than that. I know. Here's um, the thing. L- listen up, UCF fans. I am very nice because I tell you guys how it is. There are people who I know for a fact think you guys are nuts, but act like they love you. So just know that we tell you how it is. We That's love true. you. We do. We love you for who you are, not who we pretend you are. So you that, take that. I never said. Way. I never said that I love them. I love you for who now. you are, and Bailey tolerates you for who you are. So exactly. It's exactly how I want it to be told. Um, do you have anything else from from the presser that stood out to you? I think a lot of it was fairly straightforward. I loved. I loved Gus getting asked about UCF women's basketball and him just going into like a full like talking about how great they are and how good of a coach coach Abe is. And just, it was just like, his answer was like, he was so excited about it. So I gotta all, be honest. I don't, see. I didn't recognize who asked that question. I'm not sure who that was, but uh, I can, I can find them pretty quickly. If you continue to talk, if you want to go for it. Cause I was curious. It was a voice I did not recognize. Um, I, um, when that question started getting asked, I'm like, what are they doing asking this question? Cause to me, that's always like, whenever you ask a coach, something that's kind of off the reservation of the topics they're strong on, it's always a risk because you kind of risk them looking dumb. If they don't like most, like, I think it's fair to say that most college football coaches probably can't tell you a ton about the other teams on campus. Right. And so when he started asking that, I'm cringing. I'm like, don't put Gus in a position where he's like going to not know something. And then he just go like, he was talking about like the C he's like, Oh, you know, I mean, that's so impressive. It's like not only winning the regular season, but then win the conference title as well. And Abe's done a heck of a job and matching up with Florida in the first he round. Was like, six, he, like, he was like, I texted her. he said, I texted her the other day and told her, her team just has the it factor. I was like, Oh, he's watched, he's watched some, some UCF women's basketball this year. Uh, it was Colin Thomas. Um, who is Colin Thomas? Colin Thomas, judging by his Twitter, looks like he's with NSM. So, as a student, journalist. oh, I was a student. Okay, guys, yeah. Bailey and I are both uh NSM alums because when you're in the uh journalism program to. at UCF, you have to write for NSM, which yeah, um, was certainly an experience anyway. Um, yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I, I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll tell NSM stories on this podcast sometime. It was, it, it was a really great part of college, especially if like you were like Bailey and I had already been writing for years. Um, <sighs> yeah, I, it was just cool for Gus to see, like, to know everything about that program. And it going back to, you know, we were at the game where they clinched the, um, the regular season conference title and Gus was there. Dagenet was there. Dawkins was there. It's, you saw that, at, um, the charge on tour last year too, is just like the coaches seem really tight and they all seem yeah. to really know each other and each other's programs. And I love that. And part of that is the consistency. I mean, UCF hasn't fi- I looked this up really. UCF hasn't fired a coach in like five years. Yeah. And so, yeah, other than, other than what football, it's been completely stable for that long. And even football, like, well, um, what, uh, what's your face? The old softball coach left a couple years ago, but um, yeah, but even, even still, I think coach bear has been here three or four years now. I think think this is year four. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. Um, And either way, I just feel like there's something for like when a coach isn't getting fired, like it just creates a different environment when like no one who's left has been forced out. It's like everyone who's there has, has voluntarily been there or was a replacement for someone who left. So, I also think I that's know. the unique, unique thing about UCF. And I, I don't know if it's just like all the coaches have that shared or it, it's going to change maybe a little bit, but I don't think it really will um, have that shared like 
not that it's obviously UCF's a massive school and a massive has like a massive athletics program at this point, but I just going back to what Gus was saying on Monday about recruiting and with the Big 12 and all that stuff. And he said coaches always used to use um, like their group of five status against them and stuff. And I'm like, I think if you're at a group of five school, I feel like it's it's easier for all the coaches to be like to be tight. They all know like similar like similarly what the like what the the struggles are that they face or like the, the obstacles that they all share together. And I don't know. I just think it's easier for them to get tighter than when you look at you know the blue blood power five schools that like yeah I mean the, the coaches are probably there for a little bit longer and it's it's pretty stable across but it's it's easier to see them kind of just being like going about their own business doing their own thing I don't know do you think I'm off with that I don't totally agree um okay. may, partly because like like as you talk about resources like Gus's job is a lot easier than like Dawkins' yeah. job or uh bear's job so like that i you know like or not easier like i'm not saying like but you know what i mean like has more yeah, resources he has more resources more attention from the department and money from the school but that's the way it like no softball coach is showing up and being like wow i can't believe that we don't have the same funding as the honestly right. i'll tell you what i think it is and this is something that's been the case under danny white and it's continued to be the case under mahadra so far anyway is that the teams are all treated very well the women's teams all have resources and yeah. are successful i think that's the i think that is maybe the main difference to me is like there are athletic departments out there where someone ucf's conference where the women's teams and not even the women's teams any non-revenue sport is just completely secondary to football and maybe men's basketball like completely secondary not just different resources but treated differently across the board and that just hasn't been the case at ucf for years now and i almost wonder if it's that more than anything is they do seem to treat all the coaches as peers there aren't tiers to the coaches, if that makes right. sense. And I could be totally off base, but I do know that that's very different at UCF than how it is at other schools. And I wonder if that plays a role. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just in general, UCF has a good culture and it's it's always good to see that across different sports. Like the um, way I'd phrase it, like if Abe and Gus Malzahn are like in a room together, there's no like, Gus isn't higher on the totem pole than Abe. Like, right. you, you get what I'm saying? And like at other yeah. schools, he would be. So that that might be part of it. Yeah, overall. It's it's a good I don't know it's just it's a fun thing to see we saw it, like you said at the charge on tour and then with them supporting uh, women's basketball at the game we were at it's just it's always cool to kind of see that cross cross sport uh, relationship occur but you want to you want to jump into uh, our questions or do you have anything else from the presser we probably should because it's gonna be a long podcast since we've been yeah. talking for like a while and yeah also but I don't, actually can't tell how we've been talking because we had technical difficulties and then stopped for a little bit you listeners <laughs> don't know that because I've cut it by now for the but... first time for the first time in a long time. Right before we started the podcast, I literally said, I'm like, we haven't had like technical issues in a really long time. And then immediately we got cut. So and he knocked cool. on wood too. So then I guess the knock on wood thing doesn't like, I guess it doesn't work. I'll have to knock on metal next time. <laughs> see if that works better. Let's try a stronger material. Yeah. All right. Um, anyway, do you questions. Give, do you want to give your first uh, UCF football question first? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Let's talk about what I honestly, the more I think about it, I believe is the most interesting slash pressing position group for UCF this year. And that is the linebackers. And my okay. question is this, am I right to be panicking about the linebackers? And I, I'll answer the question. I am correct. Because when you look at it, they, okay. So they lost Hayden Pavoon, Bethune, excuse me, Bryson Armstrong, Eric Gilliard, although that was kind of like, you know, addition by subtraction because they got to move Bryson around, but, and you, I'm just looking at what they have back in Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste. That's great. That's it. That is the only proven commodity back for that entire position group. And the more we're getting like into spring ball now and I'm looking at it, I'm kind of like, why are they, why did they not get another transfer there? I know they brought in Terrence Lewis, who if he pans out will probably be one of, if not the best players on the roster. I know they brought in Katie McDaniel, who's now listed as a DE. 
Yeah, I think that's that's what covered it up for me, I think. Because like when the, once Tatum left, I was like, all right, you know, that's that's a big hole. But then they brought in Terrence Lewis. Then on the same day, I think it was, they brought in Katie McDaniel. And I, I know he was listed probably more as an outside linebacker, edge guy, whatever. So that in my mind, I was like, okay, they brought in two linebackers. But now, yeah, if you if you list him as a defensive end or consider an outside linebacker, it's I think the question becomes more of like, yeah, where's your depth there? And it's even more than depth. Just who's going to be out there? Like, what if yeah. Terrence? Like, if you get it, if if Terrence Lewis or Jeremiah Jean Baptiste gets hurt, who's going to be out there? Quade Mosier is like the next up guy, and then there's a bunch of guys who've like straight up never seen the field. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean that's rough. And that's the thing too is when you look at when you look at their recruiting class, and you know, we talked a little bit about having some of the true freshmen step in right away. I don't know. Like, I know they have a couple of linebackers, but I don't know those two guys. I think it was TJ Bullard and um, Cam Moore. I don't think they were two of the guys we're expecting to see right away. You know, there's like there's some guys in the secondary. There's some guys on offense that we're expecting to see contribute early on. I don't think those two were like really on the list. So I'm wondering if maybe they're going to be, or if maybe this is what I kind of said to you earlier was, um, I wonder if if you know, kind of sounded like Gus kind of said, well, we'll see what we have. Um, yeah, Gus did not conference. give a confident answer. Someone asked about the linebackers. Today. And so I'm wondering if, if they're going to see what they have and then hope that, you know, something happens elsewhere. Not necessarily hope. I think it's just that's, that's just going to be the reality of it is after spring ball, there'll probably be another transfer wave like we've talked about, um, or maybe they can bring in a later addition to, to address if they perceive it as a bigger need than, you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to look at it now and be like, well, they didn't really, I mean, other than Terrence Lewis, I guess, especially on the inside linebacker, like they didn't really upgrade or they didn't really like make any moves. And part of the reasoning I'm sure is like, let's say that we live in a perfect world where Terrence Lewis does pan out. He's fully healthy after spring ball. And he is every bit the five star that he, you know, top, I mean, literally one of the top recruits, top 300 recruits of all time in the modern recruiting era. He, he's the type of guy where like you can basically like he can just fly around the field and do a lot of different things. So you can kind of almost just play to his strengths and then figure out what you have to fill in beyond that. But if he's not healthy or if he doesn't pan out, I legitimately don't know what they're going to do with this current. Group. And frankly, right. you've got a guy who's been hurt for over a year now. I, and I don't know. I, I just, I question, I, I question is, that position. Group. There's a lot riding on him and, I think, yeah, maybe the thinking too, I mean, this isn't usually how coaches think, but they probably, they're probably comfortable with Jeremiah Jean Baptiste and what he did last year. And I'm sure they're comfortable with that. And they probably are, yeah, putting a lot on Terrence Lewis. Um, So if they go out and try to get a guy that's going to be another impact linebacker, are they going to make Terrence Lewis wait to play? Are they going to, you know, that's, I guess it's not really how coaches think. That's just what I'm kind of thinking. Is well, like, no, but what... I think, I think it's very like, that's kind of why I was a little caught off guard that he was limited. Cause I was kind of hoping spring ball was going to be where they could see what they have with him and then decide what they do or don't have to do, which should be fair. If he, if spring ball, he looks great and ends up like your theory, not being limited by the end of it. I still think they need to add a linebacker, yeah, I, no, like, I do, I, yeah. you know, like nothing. I think they need to add one no matter what. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. And I, I don't know. That's what that's what spring ball, I guess, it, it can be used for at this point. Is like if we'll we'll see the, that that transfer wave and we'll see what they can do. I don't know how many spots they have left. They didn't use all of their spots, right? I have to check. They have a couple. They can they could get they can bring in a transfer if they want to. They can bring in transfer, and I'm sure they're probably gonna have some guys transfer out after spring ball. I like guess just the, the reality of I how have a prediction. Is now. I have a transfer prediction, but it's part of another okay. question, so I will okay. leave it for now. But um, a little teaser. I like that. A little teaser. I, nice I, little, I nice little teaser. But no, every school is going to see transfers. That's the new world we live in. I mean, there's going to be a whole new transfer market after spring. Um, I forget what the NCAA rule is. I mean, UCF is limited up to a point. Like they can't replace every single transfer with a transfer. I think it's up to seven. I have to check. But um, anyway, 
but yeah. that's the thing with the linebackers too is like the, I wrote about it after the gas grill bowl before all the transfers and all that stuff happened but defensive line like looks pretty stacked to me the secondary looks really good like it was it was much improved by the end of last year and they brought in some more guys it's going to look really good so now you've got the front looking good and the back end looking really good, but there's more of a question in the middle of the defense than I kind of realized, I guess, until we started sitting down and thinking about spring ball. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. If you had to pick on the defensive side of the ball, let's just go, you know, D line linebackers, secondary. Uh, You have to pick one group that is bad and the other two are going to be really good. Which group do you pick to be bad? I guess it would be the linebackers because there's just not, there's just not. I think part of it is the depth and part of it is you're putting a lot on a guy who hasn't played college football before. Cause you, I mean, yeah, he's expected to be really, really good, but we don't know what he's going to do right away. You know, that's the thing is he could get off to a rough start and then be really good in his career, but that doesn't mean that this year he's going to be a superstar. Yeah. And so, well, but that. that's kind there's... of the that's kind of the thing though is when you have a five star rated that highly, that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to come in and be a good starter right away. That's the, but the, yeah, I think the I think the the ACL thing probably I don't want to say cancels that out because he's I mean that's thing ACL injuries are are people recover from them a lot more and, and to a much better extent these days. But I think that question mark of there being oh yeah he hasn't played in what now two years maybe that changes a little bit of what he was not 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 the type of player he was but what you can expect from him right away i don't yeah. think it's i don't think at this point maybe it's that he's oh you know i don't know what to expect because he's a freshman it's maybe more i don't know what to expect from him off of an acl injury and not having played football in two years yeah well, i not, i not I, two I, full years well but no, you know no I mean. but you know what i mean i get what you're saying yeah and i don't know i think it's just an interesting question because the more i do think about it as bad as this is like i do like if you had to pick one part of the defense like if you had to pick a group that was going to be the worst group i do kind of feel like i would pick the linebackers Oh, were you asking me if I like what what group I would like if I had if I had to pick which one would I want to be the worst of the three? Yeah, like one you oh. have it. You're assembling a team. One of those groups has to be bad. It's still probably the linebackers. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, what I because I mean you if if you you can I think to an it's, extent I mean it sucks to have any group yeah. that's bad, but still I feel like <laughs> to if an I extent, had to you pick can one, make, you can make up for it with a pass rush if you can get pass rush from the front four or front three, whatever you see that's going to run, and then if you have a stud secondary, then that will also cover up a lot of like issues. I just maybe game, it's obviously. just like past you like recent UCF seasons, but like I just like nothing is worse to me than having a bad secondary. Like I, it's just so demoralizing. Twenty twenty was rough. It was just like broke my soul. Like so, like <laughs> I just I don't know. So maybe I'll feel maybe I'll that's how I feel about the linebackers after this season. But so that like so I guess the point I'm trying to like underline here is I'm not like. I'm worried about the position. I'm not in panic mode. Like I, like I think back before they had solidified the O-line, I was like, this is season altering bad. Like this is the difference between being like an AAC champion and being eight and four. And like, I don't feel that way with how the linebackers are. It's still not good and it's going to cause headaches and it's going to lower their ceiling, but not to a catastrophic point, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think I'm with you there. And that's the thing is we, I don't want to say we, I think you tend to be a little bit more on the negative side sometimes. And so like, thinking about this, like worst case scenario, yeah, that's the case, but it could be the case where, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe they, they have a few of those guys that haven't played before, haven't proven themselves. Maybe they come in and they're, they're, you know, solid backup guys. And, you know, Terrence Lewis and Jeremiah Jean Baptiste are the two you're rolling with on the inside there and everything works out. So like, it's still, it's not like, 
it's a guarantee that it's a mess. It's just, it could be a mess. We don't really know. And that's, that's the uncertainty of it. That, that sentence is podcasting in the off season in a nutshell. It's not that it's guaranteed to be a mess. It's just that it could be a mess and we don't really know. Like <laughs> yeah, that, that, I mean, that is like, that is. It's a spring ball preview. We'll see in the spring ball too. Like, we'll see some in the spring ball. We won't see it all, but spring, we'll see in spring, the spring ball. Game? The spring ball. <laughs> No, I just mean in spring ball in general. I don't know why I said oh, the yeah. ball. You said it like three straight times. You're like, we'll see in the spring ball. Yeah, the um, spring ball. <laughs> what was the stupid? What did I call Fan Fest when we were hanging out a couple uh, weeks spring, ago? You said spring hello. It was not it. in the spring. <laughs> it's in the fall. I was trying to remember the name for Fan Fest and I couldn't. And I also thought it was in spring and I somehow came up with spring hello. But... <laughs> which is a that. great this name is, for an event. The spring um, hello. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway, let's do your question. <laughs> to my first question. Let's do it. Um, it's a pretty broad one, but it's it's kind of just something that is always interesting to keep an eye on during spring ball and especially as like early parts of the season. But which newcomers will stand out uh, and separate themselves as potential contributors this fall? Because I think with every recruiting class and now, especially with the transfer classes, you kind of pick guys out and you're like, we, we, we did it ourselves on this podcast, like who are going to be the bigger contributors, all this stuff, who's going to have the best seasons. And you're not you don't really know until you know, I, I picked Jordan Johnson to be like the breakout player last year and he didn't even see the field. So like, you don't know, but like, Oh, he saw so the field for a single rep, I think. Didn't okay. He? Well, yeah. let's, <laughs> um, you don't really like when you're making those picks and stuff, like we don't know. And so, you know, it, you, it's your first chance in the spring to kind of see some of these guys in action, see how they're assimilating, how they're picking up the playbook. And it's funny guys say like, we're going to see that. We're not necessarily going to see that, you know, we're going to get maybe one chance to watch it in the spring game itself, but We'll get reports probably. We'll get to hear from the coaching staff how everything's playing out. Well, spring but. ball is actually, you can, you, it, there's always like, typically how spring ball works is there will be one player or two players that you figure out are going to be a big deal. Kavana mod. I don't think we ever came away from the spring game thinking he was going to be a big deal, but we did Not the hope spring for game, four continuous think... years that he would catch on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, cause last year it was very, last year we came out of spring ball very much like Kalia Davis is really good. And RJ Harvey is really good. And RJ Harvey got hurt before the season started and Kalia was out for the season by October, but still Kalia lived <laughs> up to that. A um, couple years back, Greg McRae, I think is the most famous one where he just had this great spring game. I was like, who's this dude? And then he ended up being probably their best back that season. So you, we will be like, we won't be right. We'll be wrong whenever we say, but like there will be a player or two that will pop up by the end of yeah. spring ball. And we'll be like, okay, they're going to, they're going to factor this year. And that's what the question is, is which, which of them are those ones that are, we're going to have by the end of the spring and think like, all right, going into the season, you know, these are going to be some of the guys and, you know, I have the list here, like of early enrollees, which is a smaller list of early enrollees for the freshmen than I thought it was. There's just four, right? Yeah. Um, running back Jordan McDonald, defensive back Nikai Martinez, tight end Grant Stevens, and quarterback Thomas Castellanos. There's also uh, Colton Boomer, the kicker, who we'll talk more about later. Um, but they don't list him because he's a walk-on or preferred walk-on. Um, and then the transfer list is quarterback John Rice Plumley, offensive lineman Tylen Grable, wide receiver Kobe Hudson, defensive end, edge rusher, linebacker, whatever you want to call him, KD McDaniel, offensive lineman Ryan Swoboda, Defensive back Kobe Perry, tight end Keymore Gamble, defensive tackle Lee Hunter, and linebacker Terrence Lewis, who, as we've mentioned already, will be limited at least to start spring ball um, as he comes back from his injury. So, I mean, of that list, you know, we've already kind of talked about these guys when when they signed, when they when they came in, and when they transferred and all that stuff. But and we did drafts on both of them. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to get too far into it, but I'm just curious. You know, this is our first chance to see all of these guys on UCF's uh, raw, like on these guys that are new to UCF's roster, like actually playing with the team. And uh, I'm curious, I'm curious to see 
does Jordan McDonald look like he's going to be a factor right away in the running back room is, you know, we'll talk more about quarterbacks later too. I like guess Thomas Castellano is going to have an amazing spring and kind of force their hand um, in terms of the quarterback situation. You know, what are we going to see from Nikai Martinez? And then these transfers, like I think some of these guys we expect to step right in like Ryan Swoboda. I think Kobe Perry is another one. Um, Kobe Hudson, I think too, Keemore Gamble. And then we'll see like well, a guy like Lee Hunter. I'm really, I'm really uh, intrigued by. So yeah, I just I'm I curious. I think we to really see. underestimated Lee Hunter when we talked about him originally. I, we we, we, we kind of afterthoughted him, and as time's gone on, I'm like, I don't really know why we did that. I think it was just because he didn't do much in his time at Auburn, but I don't know that he had much of a chance to do much. Well, but then it was also like I read more, and like it was a big complaint of Auburn fans that Harson just wasn't letting freshmen see the field. So yeah. I attribute that more to that than you know. Other yeah, I mean, I think it's because it wasn't really hyped up, and I don't think it's necessarily our fault. I think it's just it wasn't hyped up as as big of a deal as it might actually be. So let me let me here's how we here's how here's how we should do this. Let me tell you the players who I don't think are going to contribute in any meaningful way in 2022. <laughs> Let's start there because I feel like that'll be easier. Um, I Jordan McDonald, I I think that he's going to be really really great eventually. But the running back room, as we're going to talk about in a second, is like really loaded right now, and I just don't see a true freshman. Like, why would you burn his red shirt for him to be like your fourth best back? You know, like I think we'll see him. He'll show up in a yeah. couple games, but I I just don't see him having any like. That, that's not a slide in Jordan McDonald at all. I think he is absolutely like the future RB one. But I I you know I just where's the room for him to show up this year. Um, same kind of goes for Grant Stevens, new tight end yeah. I don't, with Keymore Gamble and Alec Holler. And I'm still banking on Joey Gatewood eventually. I, I don't see how he ends up factoring in. I don't know. I, I, and again, that's not like a knock on him long-term. I just don't see how yeah, it's just here. right away. I'm going to say another one, Thomas Castellanos. Um, unless he wins the job, which we're just, that's going to be the coolest part of spring balls. We'll finally actually get to know what this quarterback situation is looking like, but if he doesn't win the job, you're not going to see him. I mean, he, you're not going to see him at all. If, uh, you know, I mean, there'd be no reason to, because if he doesn't win the job, that means either that Mikey Keene did, in which case JRP will be your gadget guy, or it means that JRP did, in which case there's no need to have a gadget guy. So I don't see a situation where Castellanos factors in unless he wins the job. Well, I mean, I think he plays probably a standard four games and then red shirts. Well, yeah, that's the new way of the world is every freshman you'll see for four games in garbage time. But like, that's not contributing to me. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Like when they're up, you know, 56 to three on SC state and he trots (laughs) out, I'm not going to be like, ah, he's really, uh, really playing his role. But um, anyway, that being said, as far as the four freshmen early enrolled, I do think Nakai Martinez is going to factor in this year. I really yeah. do. He's the one where I'm like, I keep an eye on him. He's one of my keep an eye on guys. So you heard it here first. Nakai Martinez. And, star and what's freshman. interesting, what's interesting too about the early enrollees specifically is that these are the guys, these are freshmen that are here. And of course, there's the rest of the class that will join them in the summer. But these guys are getting a little bit of a head start, getting to campus, getting adjusted to college life, getting to play a spring ball with uh, with the team. So they're getting a bit of a head start, and I'm wondering, you know, what what we'll see from them. And, and I personally think it's a huge action. head start. Yeah. I think being there for spring is a big deal, and I'm not shaming anyone who didn't because listen, like it's a pretty sometimes big it commitment. just doesn't work. It's a couple things. One, it's a pretty big commitment to be like, all right, I'm just going to leave high school early. Like I, we kind of just act like who's enrolling early, like what that means. And for a lot of guys, it just doesn't work out. Like you said, I mean, it's not, it's not you, the situation doesn't always present itself yeah. in a way where like you, you have to have graduated, like you have to be done with all that. Like there's some guys probably that still have to finish school. You have to, you typically have to have been someone who you've been planning. You've been so good at football. You've been planning to skip that last half a year since like sixth grade to like make it work. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's just not, it's not in the cards, right? But it is a big advantage. It absolutely is. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting. And then you listed like the, the guys you don't think will contribute. I think I look at the transfer list and 
I think most of these guys, I think, will contribute in some meaningful way. The only one I'm hesitant on is Katie McDaniel, but the others I all think are going to be big contributors, to be honest with you. Grable, I'm not 100% sure how the offensive line will work. I think Ryan Sabota is going to step in and start you know, immediately. I'm not sure if Grable does or doesn't, um, but I think he'll play. I think he's going to be a key person on the offensive line either way. But yeah, I think I think you're probably right there. Katie McDaniel, I don't know. I'm, I'm more hopeful for him, and I think maybe it's just the hope that you know he didn't he didn't get to play a ton at Kentucky, did he? No. I don't think he really like. Yeah, I don't think he really got to to shine a lot. And we'll see if this is an opportunity that um, he comes he comes in and, and does a lot. But yeah, and I look at the transfer list. I'm like a lot of these guys. You know, JRP is one that you know even if he doesn't win the job, like you said, he'll probably be the gadget guy and he will contribute in that way. He'll play the role um, that Joey Gatewood and Parker Navarro played last year, and I think he'll probably play a lot better. Um, so, I think yeah, that JRP stands for Joey, but can really play. <laughs> I feel so bad for Joey Gatewood. <laughs> I don't at this like, point, because there were rumblings for months that he was going to convert to a tight end, and then he didn't. And I'm like, what are you expecting to happen this spring? Like, what? I, I, I'm like, what does he expect? No, to yeah, no, it's that, that's, that's the one thing I'm just talking about. Every, everybody just dunks on Joey Gatewood all the time. Well, and it, it. like, listen, like, I'm sure he's a great guy. I don't know anything about Joey Gatewood in real life. Yeah. It's all lighthearted in, in the realm of the sport, but there's no way around the fact that he just, the role they carved out for him, I thought it was foolish and it didn't work throughout most of the season. And what frankly hurt Joey Gatewood is then they put in Navarro instead and it started working. Yeah. And then that kind of takes you from this was a stupid idea to it was just the wrong player in the wrong role. So, I mean, I mean Joey Gatewood, he got one last chance in the Gasparilla Bowl and he freaking almost threw a pick at the one yard line. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was just, it's a tough, but yeah, I think, I think that JRP will play that, that role really well. If that's the role or if he's the starting quarterback, we'll see. We'll talk more about quarterbacks in a bit. Let's get to your second question. My second question. What was it again? Hold on. Um, oh yeah. Uh, how is the running back room going to shape out? And I know what you're all thinking, Christian, Isaiah Bowser is the best running back and it's going to be his team. And I'm like, well, listener, here's the thing. Um, he gets hurt all the time. And I, I don't see that changing this season because it, it's been, that wasn't like a unique thing to last season. He's been off and on hurt his entire college career. And I still mm -hmm. think Bowser's, I still think Bowser is RB1. And I think he's going to help them win a lot of games. I've talked about last season. If he was healthy all last season, I think UCF wins like 10 games, but to keep him healthy, he needs to not be getting the ball like 20, 25 times a game. That's just not yeah. tenable. So who else from that room is going to step up? I mean, there's a lot of guys that are interesting to me. Johnny Richardson, I'm still not sold on him, but you all are. So we'll throw Johnny Richardson in there. MAR, we keep like kept like waiting kind of last season for him to become a bigger deal. I kind of wonder if, it, unless he's the new Kavan Ahmad, if that's like this season will be like a season he breaks out. I mean, I don't know. I think that's an, and, and RJ Harvey, let's not forget RJ Harvey was the leader of that room before his injury. Like going into last season, he was going to be the number one running back and they yeah. got hurt. So, how if he's healthy, how does he factor in? Yeah, I mean, last this, like not this time, it was about a month, last, this last April during the spring game. It was R.J. Harvey for Heisman. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that already. Don't do it that was. this year, just in case. No, I mean, I told I told everyone I told everyone that I can't do that anymore because anytime I do it, the player gets hurt, and then I don't remember. Wait, when did you do it another time and a player got hurt? I, I started. I think after the game, the first game, I was talking about Bowser for Heisman. Oh, that did happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just don't do yeah. it this year. Yeah. But I, that's funny because you're saying this now because I told you at one point I was like, I can't do this anymore, and you're like, Ah, oh, it's not. It has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, but that was a year ago, and now that it's the moments here, I'm like, don't do it, man. <laughs> no, yeah, I told you, I'm not going to do it anymore. 
Um, but yeah, no, the running back situation is going to be interesting. It's like it's every time any anyone lists the running backs, anytime I list the running backs anyway, I always seem to forget someone because there's Trillian so Coles. many. There's so many on the roster, and you know, it's <laughs> not all of them are going to be able to play, obviously. And you've got a lot of guys that were already on the roster that were very good. Well, very good. They were good. They contributed last year. And you kind of wonder that when you bring in this new influx of talent, you bring in Jordan McDonald, you bring in Xavier Townsend, who I think Townsend's going to be more of like a, yeah, he's 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 kind of a hybrid. He's kind of like a utility guy. Yeah. Yeah. But he can play, he can contribute out of the backfield too. Um, So I kind of just wonder like if, if we do see McDonald or if we see Townsend getting reps in the backfield, is that going to push? Johnny down or is that going to push MAR deck down the, the depth chart a little bit? It's going to be interesting to see how they, they work all that out. Give me your depth chart right now. If you're predicting it for the running backs all the way through with, I can, I'm going to forget the, the running backs. There's six. Of them I'm going to, so who knows? Um, I'm going to say <laughs> Isaiah Bowser right now. I'll be RB one. I do okay. RJ Harvey two. Okay. Johnny Richardson three. We're matched up so far. Okay. Who's left the run, the freshman and trillion. And MAR. Oh, MAR. MAR four to start the season, I would assume. Okay. Then I'd probably go. If Are we counting Townsend? No, we're not. Okay. Then McDonald five, okay. then Trillion six, I guess. We were, I wrote down, I wrote it down before I asked you. We, we were exactly matched up, except I flipped Trillion and McDonald because okay. I just gave the benefit out to the guy who's been here. But that's fair. Yeah. So I, I, we'll see how wrong we are. But the fact that we both agreed <laughs> off the top of our heads for almost the entire room is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I'm just kidding. The thing is, like, we'll just see because at Auburn, especially Gus liked just having one guy. But when you have this much talent, it would be almost a crime to not use all of it, especially we, with Bowser's injury history. We talked about that last offseason when Gus came in was that he, he seemed to have that kind of that one guy, the one feature back at Auburn. And I was like, it was a big departure from everything UCF had been doing for years. And I'm in no way saying that like, oh, that's what he did with Bowser. And that's why Bowser got hurt. Because when Bowser was healthy, there was no reason to put anyone else in there. I mean, he right. uh, teams just couldn't stop him. But well, I mean, I against think, Boise State, what, he run 30 times, I think? It, 30 it, carries, I think. it was over 30 carries. He and, won them and, the game. They couldn't. He won them the Florida game. When the games where he was healthy, teams could not handle him. They had absolutely no answer for him. Yeah. But I think that you need to use that sparingly this year because we've seen what happens when we do that more than two games in a row. <laughs> he gets hurt. So I think that you need to be able to like use Bowser as like, you're kind of like pummeling, like big back, but also have other guys who can come in. And luckily I feel like there's a good range of skill sets here of guys who can do different things. Yeah, so. I really do think so. So that'll, that'll be interesting. Um, all right. So my final question, it's not one that we can probably spend a lot of time on because we don't have a lot of information here, but I'm curious to see if we'll start to see any kind of separation in the kicking battle. And you mentioned it earlier about Gus, and it's, he might have just been more of like a, a bad way to phrase it, but he's talking about, oh, like Obarski's got a lot of confidence, but we're going to play the best guy, making it seem like he's not going to play Obarski. But I'm curious, I really like, don't this... think that's what he intended in that right. comment. It was right. just that's kind what of the it way sounded it came like. um, But that, and, and this is more my thinking of it is Colton Boomer has been talked about as a guy who has a huge leg. And obviously it's just kind of funny that his last name is Boomer, but um, he has, a, he supposedly, supposedly has a huge leg. And if, if he's accurate with it, there's no reason he shouldn't be the kicker over Obarski. Cause if you look at just looking at Obarski's track record and Gus did give him credit, you know, he said, you know, he, he helped us win the Florida game. He went three for four and the one miss was from 50 plus on a field goal that he shouldn't have even been yeah. sent out there for. Um, but the kicking, like the kicking position makes such a difference. And when you look at like, you look at the game and everyone remembers the Memphis game where he, he missed the 42 yarder in 2020 to, to at the end of the game. 
Um, but I'm looking at even this season, you know, they won the game against Temple by four. Um, and it was a closer game that probably should have been. He missed a 42 yarder in that game. Um, I don't remember if it was a 42 yarder against Memphis. I think I just misread that, but it was a 42 yarder that he missed against Tulane. If he makes that, it's probably less, they sweat it out a little less. The same thing goes for the South Florida game. He missed twice in the South Florida game. They won by four. He missed from 35 and 45. And so if, if Colton Boomer has the leg that everyone says he has, and he's, he's accurate with it and he can make those kicks in the 40 to 45 yard range, then I, I hope, you know, you start to see that a little bit in the spring and you start to see him kind of gain, gain on Obarski and potential. I mean, they're not going to name a starting kicker out of the spring. They don't usually do that, but just Obarski's track record just isn't, he, he's made 64.5% of his field goals over the last two years. He's not, good, not enough. good enough. He's not good enough. He's not, and it's, it's fine to say that he's just not, and it's what, time to move on. I mean, I, yeah. like I said, unless Boomer is like awful, I just think he that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it should like, we should see Boomer overtake him for the job. That's what I'm just curious. Like, are we going to see that happen now? We, we should like, if, if everything that we've been, we've heard of, of Boomer is to be believed, if it's all going to happen, it should start now. Is Obarski scholarship? Isn't your starting kicker usually on scholarship? I think so. Yeah. So does he lose his scholarship if Boomer takes the job? I don't know how that works. I can't, I can't imagine a team. I don't think it's that cutthroat. I can't imagine it's okay, but I can't imagine a team would use two scholarships on kickers. Do you think, mm, so if you talking about maybe there's a situation where he ends up coming out of spring, looking like the better kicker and they're like, Hey, Daniel, you need to transfer, bud. Well, I don't, well, Matt, I don't know how this works. I'm asking, I don't think he would get cut from the team, but I could no, just be like, it'd probably be like, Hey, status. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I mean if he just wants to say I, I, I don't know I, I think it's something I think before they do that they probably say hey like this is going to happen or maybe you might need to look look for another um another spot in the transfer portal which I don't know he like best of luck that's tough yeah but that's um, the thing is it's it's I would hope that no one's getting kicked off the team over a competition but. I can't imagine it's just, it's hard yeah it's hard to see that he's um he's 20 for 31 in his career 20 to 29 yards nine for 11 it's not awful 10 for it's 12 on 30 good. to 30. It's not good. 10 for 12 on 30 to 39. But what it's, what's really, really bad is the 40 to 49 yards. He's one for seven. That is so I think bad. his, I think his career long was like 41 or 42. Um, but it's those like 45 yard kicks, 40, 43, 44. Like we saw for most of last year, Gus was afraid to even send him out there from early, especially early in the season. Gus didn't want to kick field goals. They would send him out there to help do a fake field goal before they would actually like. Yeah. I just want, I did want to say, to his credit, he does have 13 career rushing yards. <laughs> so he does have that. <laughs> hey, that's more than Jordan McDonald right now. Okay. So, um, <laughs> that was I, unnecessary. <laughs> the um, thing about it, too, is like in 2020, it was frustrating. And in 2020, really the only Obarski moment that was like awful was the Memphis game. The problem of 2021 was Gabriel was out. So many players were hurt. The offense was pared down for a true freshman who was still learning. And like yeah, you said it, 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 those kicks were game-changing kicks. There were three different games that were tight, stressful contests that couldn't have been if he could just make, not even like really difficult kicks, just make his kicks. And even that's what you 35 yarder against USF. Like there's no, there's no need to sweat it out there at the end. I guess it still would have been potentially, it would be a potentially game tying situation there at the end. It would have been 20 to 13 instead of 17 to 13. And then, yeah, it's just it it changes the way the way you can play a game because if you're if you're sending your kicker out there, not only is a missed kick taking points off the board and you're missing out on scoring, but usually in those cases you're giving the, the opposing team pretty good field position. Yeah, well, look at all those misses. I mean, yeah. from, and like I just there are 130 
spots for kickers for starting kickers at FBS level. And I just don't think it's excusable to have one who can't make a kick from 40 yards out. Like I, I you know, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, so yeah, I'm, I'm assuming everything about Colton boomers that he's very good. I was think kicker more than any other position is very much a mind game. So like, it's just like, you know, one mental screw up and you're done. I, yeah, think, it's he hard a, to... I think he was a Bucks fan. Know something about that with a four. Yeah, I do. Pick. Oh my gosh. It's hard to imagine. That's the thing, like what you just said. It's hard to imagine Obarski coming back this season and being like absolutely phenomenal and like making all. It's just I can't. He's who he kickers, is. At this point. Kickers don't typically do that. I don't think no. so. It's yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know if they'll try. I mean, they should. I don't know if they they'll do. They do only do. I haven't been to a spring game. I don't think in a long time. Do they do field goals in spring? Yeah, they games? do field goals. Okay, absolutely. well, good. They should. They should. They should legit. They should legitimately line them up even at the end of like. Not even in the game flow. I mean, like at the end of the game, or not maybe at the end of the game, halftime, whatever. Send them out there, have them both attempt 10 kicks each. Not saying like this is for the job, but just kind of like like a home run derby, but for kicks. Yeah, like put some pressure on them and see, like in front of some of the fans, you know, just see see what they do. I don't know. Let's it's, not it's... forget that in spring practice last year, not the spring game, they would have Obarski line up for a kick, have the entire team do a U around him and scream at him and then have him take <laughs> a kick. That was a, that was an exercise. Oh man, I wasn't there for that. I didn't remember that. They would literally have like I'm talking the entire team. It was they would do it at the end of practice. They bring everyone up and they all just go, and Gus goes okay, and they all just start screaming and screaming and screaming, and he tries to make the kick. And actually, that was a really good idea because I feel like that's the, actually the most accurate way to. Not a bad know, idea. I do kind of laugh when like kickers. No offense to any like former kickers who I might be following on Twitter who will like post a video and they're like, yeah, look at me, like made this kick from 70 yards out. And they're like in a tank top and gym shorts and like an empty practice field. I'm like, that means nothing. There's like, no one in like a six mile radius. Nothing. It's like, there's not even birds, dude. Like, I mean, yeah. how is this supposed to be impressive? But I digress. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Moving on to a big one. The big question. What will UCF do with their uniforms for the spring game? Oh, I thought we were going to talk about the quarterbacks. We'll get to that. Okay, that's that's the that's the other big question <laughs> but hey i mean they had they had twitter handles on their on the back of their jerseys last year so the only reason i even brought this up was because they in their spring game release they said it marks the second consecutive year that the night spring game will be played at noon they said that like it's a good thing it's not <laughs> and last season the ucf players donned jerseys with their twitter handles on the back who knows what they've got in store this time around with a question mark so that seems to imply there's something also, I mean, I assume what they weren't like, are they wearing last year's uniforms? Yes. Okay. This will so be the last is, time we'll ever yeah. see the 2016 to 2021 era UCF uniforms, which is actually going to be like a very nostalgic, sad thing for me. Yes. Yeah, so like not only are we going to see like what they do creatively with like, what are they, what kind of combos are they going to be throwing out there for the last little, little, I can't wait for it to be like anthracite <laughs> after Mahajer declared war on gray. It should be anthracite versus pewter. Mahajer gets on a mic and he's like, take a good long look at this. This is the <laughs> last time you're ever going to see this. And everybody's like crying. And then the thing's like, why is he yelling at us? Some people are just like, what is he talking about? And Mahajer's like, sorry, entire fan base. I know better than all of you. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, we'll get to that later too. But anyway, right. um, yeah. So the I'm big, the big, big question. Yes. UCF's quarterback battle. We're starting. We're going to get a, like our first glimpse of how it's actually going to start to play out. Obviously, they're not going to name a, a starting quarterback out of spring ball. But uh, Gus did say on Monday, like you know, hopefully they'll have by the end of it, they'll kind of have an idea of how this thing's going to unfold at least going into the fall. He did say on Monday that it's an open competition between the five guys. All five guys will get a chance to show what they can do. I kind of laughed at him saying five, um, but he did say that Mikey Keene would be the first one to trot out there on Tuesday when they start practice. So it's going to be, you know, Keen, Keen as the guy, the incumbent starter, he's going to be the guy to get the first reps, but it is very much an open competition. And it's really, I mean, it's between the three guys. It's between Keen, 
John Rice Plumley and Thomas Castellanos, right? I mean, we're not. I know some people are like, oh, well, don't be surprised with Parker Navarro, but like, I don't know. I would be, I would be stunned if Parker Navarro is a factor at all. All right, I'm gonna get my prediction now. I don't think Parker Navarro is gonna be a member of UCF's football team by June. Okay. And I'll tell you why. First off, sorry guys, he's not in contention for this job in any way, shape, or form. And you look at he's was actually, the fifth guy Joey Gatewood, I guess. Fifth guy is Joey Gatewood. David Widner, okay. however you say his name, isn't here yet. Um, yeah. But um, you look at Parker Navarro, and I mean, what his best case scenario is what fourth string in his third year with UCF, and he's in the rare situation. Like I feel like the one thing people forget about the transfer portal and why like backup quarterbacks don't always transfer if they're that 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 far down the depth chart is the vast majority of players who end up in the portal just don't find a home. And that's the end of their career. Parker mm-hmm. Navarro is in the unique situation where he's a fourth string quarterback who has game film and has multiple yeah. touchdowns in key moments. So I think that's he has I the think film. He, yeah, I think to, he could get a job somewhere. I don't know if it'd be FBS, but some FCS school would absolutely take a chance on him. I think even some maybe low-level group of five might. So yeah. that to me makes me think he's not going to be here. Because I don't know what, if you have game film that shows you can play and you're going to be the fourth string quarterback at your school, why would you stay? Like, why would you stay? I really don't know. So that's but, my prediction there. But as far as the three who we think as of now are actually in the race, I, you guys know we're, this is the Mikey Keene propaganda machine. We want Mikey Keene to win the job. We'll say anything to convince you he's going to win the job. We'll lie to your faces. That's not true. We wouldn't lie to you guys. We love you. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, the more, like, jokes aside, the closer we've gotten to spring ball starting, the more convinced I have been that Keene is actually going to win the job. And obviously they're not going to name a quarterback after spring, but I do think by the end of spring ball, we're going to have a pretty decent idea of where things are headed, even if we yeah. don't know for sure. Yeah. I don't know why I think they have kind of come around a little bit more on the idea of, because I think there was a point on the podcast where I even said, like, I just can't see a situation where Keen wins the job, but now I'm going in and like, I could actually see it happening. And um, I, I think hopefully, so hopefully by now you've seen, uh, I threw out the, the freshman highlights for Mikey Keen out on Twitter. I threw that, I threw that together on a, well, what's the, is it iMovie? What's the, what's the app on your iPhone yeah, that just comes standard, just really low, low, uh, low effort. But Which that was great. Cause Bailey time. was, Bailey texted me. and was like, did you know there are no Mikey Keen freshman highlights on YouTube? And I was like, dude, I know I looked a few days ago and there's nothing. And then <laughs> 10 minutes goes by and he's like, okay, I made a highlight video. <laughs> okay. It wasn't 10 minutes. It was like an hour. And a half. Was it? Oh, I thought it was a lot yeah. faster, but anyway, no, but I did, I did text you like 10 minutes later. I was like, all right, I'm working on one right now. That's what it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was good. But, it was all his touchdowns of the season. I would have liked to see some of his longer throws in there. You could have found those in the game log, but that's fine. It's not everyone's great at highlight videos um <laughs> you know what i'm just kidding i wish i could erase it from your phone um <laughs> dude i've well, watched yeah. it so many times i've been watching it like game film because iphone you can play stuff in reverse and everything so i've been like watching yeah. it's been fun it's been fun that pump fake against temple he freezes their entire defense it, it is yeah. fantastic i mean that one works. that one and the touchdown throw to brandon johnson against memphis are my two favorite throws that Freaking he had rainbow, in the man. season um but yeah, his, and his um his dart to Brandon Johnson through two defenders early in the Temple game was pretty good. His and also his rushing touchdown against UConn was also very fun to watch. Yeah, if you don't know, notable. that's the only time he's done that. It's so cool. <laughs> very yeah, very notable. I mean, what if he does it more? You know, that's gonna help him it's win the job. To. But the reason yeah. I think Mikey is gonna legitimately win the job, or I think it's a lot more on the table than we would have thought a couple months ago, is one every thing we've heard on Mikey is that he's an incredibly hard worker. He's not some guy who's just willing to give up this job. I mean, he is fighting yeah. for this job. The second reason is I'm not sold at all on JRP as a passer. And people have kind of like Malzahn loves running quarterbacks, but you look back at like his Auburn teams, like he doesn't love quarterbacks that can't throw the ball. I mean, even Nick Marshall could throw the ball and threw for, I think like 2000 something yards. So it's not like Gus is just going to be like, he's really fast. So we'll go with him and be an option team or something like that's not happening. And Thomas Castellanos, if you give the job to Castellanos, 
unless he just outperforms the other two, that's going to be the third time in the last four seasons UCF's rolled with a true freshman quarterback. And that to me, I know that transcends coaching stats, but that's just like, at some point you got to stop being like, this is a move for the future and actually do something to be the best you can be in the moment. And right. I have a really hard time believing that while Tommy might be very good down the road, I have a very hard time believing that he will be the best option in that room this season. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because <laughs> Keen didn't come all the way from Arizona to play one year in, in a reserve role after Dan, Dylan Gabriel got hurt to then just, you know, roll over and, and give up the job again the next year and have to transfer out. And that man came across, the man came across the country. Yeah. I mean, he's he, everything we've heard, he's working really hard and, you know, this is, you know, he's aiming at this being still his team. And uh, I think it's, it's funny because I put, po I posted that uh, was a minute, two minute video, two minute, 20 second video of, of some of his highlights from freshman year. And the, the uh, response was overwhelmingly positive. And I was like, where were all you people during the season when all this was actually happening? Because uh, that's just typical. I, I told you this was going to happen because it's not just a UCF thing. It's it's once you win the bowl game, everything was better in hindsight. Yeah. And he, that he, was he didn't play that well in the bowl game. He, he was he was fine. He facilitated. It wasn't yeah. like a great game or anything. Um, right. But that was the thing is I was trying to get people this all season. As far as true freshmen go, that was a really solid true freshman season. And he showed right. some real flashes. He could be good. Am I expecting him to step out on the field tomorrow or what, today, depending on when you're listening to this, and be Mackenzie Milton? No. But you know what? You don't need Mackenzie Milton to be a 12-win team. You don't. You just need a really good quarterback. And I think you also, a really good quarterback. Like, UCF fans should also stop expecting every next quarterback to be Mackenzie Milton. So that was, I mean, Dylan Gabriel was like on pure talent, the, at worst, the third best quarterback UCF's ever had. And fans spent most of his tenure upset that he wasn't Milton. And I fed that too, <laughs> because let's be real, he did not perform well in big games. And there was all the off-field fun that we've discussed many times. But I just, you know, it, it it's like you can't like you, it, it, the Mackenzie Milton measuring stick can't be the thing for every quarterback. Cause guess what? No, it could vary. We could be very, very realistically go 50 years and UCF will never have a quarterback as good as Mackenzie Milton. I mean, he was yeah. insane and that's great. Not even necessarily that's as good as him, but like him, like you can have a quarterback that's, that's very good and maybe on the same level, but it's not the same as Mackenzie Milton. Like just what he did was he was so unique. Yeah. That and that's why he's gonna, the best You're not going to get those kind of guys every year. Yeah. Or every 10 years. So just right. that, that's something to keep in mind. But yeah. So that, um, like I said, as of right now, if I had to predict the starting quarterback situation, I'm going to say Mikey Keene is going to be the starter and JRP is going to see a lot of time on the field. That would yeah, be my no, I think, And it's funny because I think this is, I've come around on this more like in the last few weeks, I would say. I think maybe the last time you asked me if you had to predict who's going to start, I think I said JRP and by the end of the year, it would be Tommy. But now that I, I don't know what happened in my brain. But I'm like, yeah, I, I can't. I, I'm seeing more and more like it's got to be. I think it's got to be keen to start. And we'll see what happens in the spring. Happens in the spring, and we'll see. You know how everything goes against SC State. I guess could change it within within one game. But we've talked about that, before. I think this game. contest is going to continue into SC State. I think you're going to see all three of those guys, and I think you're going to see a lot of them. And that's the yeah, you're right. That it should be the case. That yeah, yeah. there's nothing that replaces actual in-game experience. I mean, look at UCF had a full spring and fall practice and came away with the idea that Pete Denovo was their best option at quarterback. <laughs> Like stuff's just different when you're not playing a game. Then 10 minutes into the game, they were like, whoops. So you just never know. But yeah, yeah I, it's going to be interesting. I, the, my one thing with like the JRP to Tommy theory that some people have is those skill sets overlap so much. I don't really see how Tommy would end up overtaking him in a season. I could be totally off base on that. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's just they go with JRP and then he like his his limitations in the passing game are that bad to where they're like, all right, 
Tommy's got a better arm. Tommy can throw the ball. And, but if and, the, but uh, if the issue is they're like, all right, he has limitations passing. Let's turn to the true freshman. Like I don't know. That just seems. Yeah, I mean, it just it depends on it depends on what Tommy looks like as a true freshman. I guess I don't know. It's it, yeah. some people have like thrown these expectations, and I'm really like. I'm expecting a lot from him, and I think you know he's going to be very good. I just people are throwing a lot of expectations on him. Okay, to, let's be clear. He's referring to himself as the hero on Twitter. He's throwing a lot of expectations on himself. But to win to away. win the job outright and and lead UCF to a conference championship right off the bat, like that's what people are kind of saying like he's the future, and yeah, he could be the future, but that doesn't mean he has to start from day one and you know win the job. But no, either way, it's gonna be really exciting to see how it all pans out in the spring and when we get out there for the spring game. Like I've said this multiple times on the podcast, we're not going to really get a lot of information out of the spring game, but I'm going to try to get a lot of information out of the spring game. I'm going to be throwing takes out there. That's what we do best. Everyone else, everyone else will be throwing takes out there too from the spring game. Like someone will overthrow one, like someone make one nice pass. Like, Oh, I don't know. I think that, I think, I think he's the guy. (laughs) And like two plays later, something will happen. Ooh, I think he's the guy. So yeah, Navarro will have one good play and they'll be like, he's the future. So, okay. Since you brought Navarro back up, I brought up his, uh, his offer list on two, four, seven from when he originally committed to UCF. He had Sacramento State, Arizona State, Hawaii, and Idaho, in addition to UCF. I mean, mean, yeah. I mean, Mackenzie Mackenzie Milton's entire offer list was like UCF and Hawaii, so it doesn't necessarily mean anything. I wasn't particularly wild with him when they got him. Like, he never, like, struck me as, like, a future of the program type guy or anything like Mikey did or, like, Dylan did, so. Yeah, uh, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. But for that, we'll leave that there. We'll see in the coming days what we start to, to hear from the coaches. I think Gus said they'll be practicing three times a week. He said Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Spring game, April 16th, which is in about a month. Um, very much looking forward to that. And for now, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that and we'll jump into the football news. Um, a lot, well, not a, not a ton, but some has happened since um, we last spoke, which was two weeks ago. Uh, UCF hired Grant Hurd as its new wide receivers coach. He was formerly at Indiana. And then this was uh, a piece of a piece of news that came out from the Orlando Sentinel. As of a, like on a March 2nd, uh, they posted this interview with Terry Mohajer. Um, and Mohajer was very careful in talking about UCF's exit from the AAC. He said that the three departing schools are still working on it, negotiating it, and was then asked to follow up and asked if the intention is still to be out by 2023. And he said, not necessarily. It's like we've told the Big 12, we won't be any later than July 2024. And all three schools said that either way, we're very excited. I don't think, you know, I I don't think that anything's really changed. I think they're still trying to get out by 2023, but maybe publicly he's not going to be like, I don't know. I don't know how the negotiations are going. But Here's here's exactly how that works. We've all heard the rumors that Oresco is asking for a giant buyout, which will have to be negotiated down. That's what they're working on now. You can't, as Mahajer, give public ammo to the notion that you're desperate to get out early. You can't right. do that. You have to play it as we're willing to stay in 2024. UCF's not going to be in the American in 2024, but you can't publicly be like, yeah, we really need to get out because then Oresco will be like, oh, really? How about yeah. $90 million or something <laughs> insane? So right. that's all. I'm, and, I would not stress about that. In that same interview, Mahajer talked about scheduling and said that they've had talks with the Big 12 about the philosophy and hinted that he would have some non-conference opponent news, like some home and homes to share soon. That was uh, two weeks ago. Or right, yeah, about two weeks ago almost. We haven't heard anything. He's been busy purging gray from the uh, UCF uh, <laughs> UCF uh, aesthetic in that span. So yeah, we haven't heard anything. I'm, I'm curious to know about those home and homes. Um, but he he did again. He said this since he got here. He's like very very unhappy with the scheduling with the scheduling situation that UCF finds themselves in. Which it's it's a little bit easier now, I guess, that they're going to have nine conference games and they're going to have to schedule three non conferences. But presumably, 
Presumably. I mean, I think it's going to be, it'll be nine while Texas and Oklahoma are there. We'll see if they stay at nine when they're down mm, to 12 true. teams or if they add to the USF seems to be under the impression they're expanding. They wouldn't be building a stadium otherwise. So we'll see <laughs> yeah. what happens down the road. Yeah. Um, some USFL draft stuff came up in the last few days. Marlon Williams was selected uh, in the USFL draft by the Birmingham Stallions. So I'm glad to see that he's going to get a chance to show how amazing he is because he's a phenomenal receiver. Um, and another former UCF receiver was selected by the Tampa Bay Bandits, but he was selected as a corner, and that's Rennell Hall. So I guess Rennell Hall is converting to cornerback for the Bandits when the USFL gets underway. Um, that's very, very interesting. It is interesting. I, I, I was like, I was writing it out, and I was like, I was like, okay, yeah. And I looked at it, I looked at the graphic again, and I saw CB, and I was like, wait, what? It's like, is that a, is that a real thing? We got to update our all-time drafts um, and move them over to the right side of the ball. <laughs> yeah, I got to go, got to go pick him as a corner. <laughs> um, some of the heart, some heartbreaking news came from Ukraine, um, and it was on Sunday, I believe, uh, where Brent Renault was killed by Russian forces. He was the director of uh, the Our, Our Time UCF football series on ESPN Plus this past season, and you know I just saw players and you know UCF personnel coming out on Twitter and saying how amazing he was to work with and how you know how cool of a guy and how close they got with him and really just like very very heartbreaking, very awful stuff going on over in Ukraine and, and to see you know, he was only fifty years old. Um, and, and it hits, I mean, it hits close to home, especially with, with, you know, something we all enjoyed very much, um, pieces of his work, especially the, the UCF football series on ESPN plus. Um, so, I mean, obviously our condolences and thoughts are with his family and, you know, with, with Ukraine in general, it's just, it's a terrible situation what's going on in the world right now, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully something, you know, we'll, hopefully we'll see changes and, you know, as, as of right now, you know, hopefully this podcast, I don't know if this podcast is an escape for anyone, but hopefully it is because the world right now is a pretty scary place. Yep. Um, awful, awful situation. And yeah, Ukraine just, it's messed up. I don't know what else to say, except it's really, really messed yeah. up. And yeah. I, I can't even, so can't even really speak further on it. It's just, it's awful. Yeah. And that's why we're here to talk about sports in the interim. Cause you know, as yeah. Bailey said, world kind of sucks right now. So yeah. Um, the last two pieces of news uh, related to UCF's coaching staff, they added Brandon Washington to their offensive line coaching staff as a GA. Um, Herb Hand was really excited about that on Twitter. And on Monday, Director of Recruiting Relations and Wide Receiver Assistant Kelvin Bolden announced that he is leaving for Ole Miss. He only just arrived in January. So now uh, Gus and you know, UCF is going to have to turn around and, and make another hire at that position so we'll see in the coming days i'm i'm, I'm wondering how quickly they're going to act on that because i feel like maybe by the time we talk next week i would think they're probably trying to fill that who lasted longer kelvin bolden at ucf or tom brady in retirement or cody burns at ucf uh well cody burns was the shortest for sure i think it was like a four days man <laughs> yeah wide receiver um, coach legend so yeah i guess it would have been hmm, it would have been bolden but just like by a little bit Interesting. Okay. I was wondering if there was a correlation there, maybe something we're not noticing. <laughs> if there is, I'd love to know what it is. <laughs> um, jumping quickly into game of the week, uh, UCF women's basketball, your AAC regular season champions and your AAC tournament champion, UCF women's basketball at 25 and three and 14 and one in the AAC will open up the NCAA tournament, uh, their, their NCAA tournament run on Saturday, 3.30 on ESPN News. They're a seven seed, the highest seeding in program history taking on 10 seed Florida, who's 21 and 10, 10 and six in the SEC. UCS going for their first ever uh, NCAA tournament win as a program. We'd love to get it over Florida. Super exciting. Can't wait for that. Saturday, game. Saturday, 3.30 ESPN News. Watch it. Support women's basketball. Can't wait to see what they do. Um, with that, we'll jump over to you for Tweet of the Week. 
tweet of the week is a uh, collection of tweets this week, actually. And uh, from none other than uh, UCF Athletic Director Terry Mohadra. <laughs> and uh, so blast. if you listen to our last podcast or my last podcast, I guess, since it was just me blabbering to myself, you'll know that UCF uh, is getting new uniforms next year, which is incredibly exciting. They're being made by UCF, which has got me so freaking excited to see what they come up with. UCF is the ones who make the space uniforms. And Mahajra also, in the course of announcing that, said, oh, and we're getting rid of anthracite. We're black and gold, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he has this saying about pewter. I'm kind of under the, I think Terry Mahajra just like thinks anthracite. Like, I don't even know if he knows pewter's a thing. Like, I think he's just referring to gray when he says that. And frankly, <laughs> UCF hasn't worn pewter helmets or jerseys in a couple of years now. So I don't even know how around those are anyway. But yeah. he's gone, he's just, this went from like him saying that to naturally fans were upset by that, which wasn't exactly a surprise. I don't think anthracite's a loss. To me, it's more this, no should so the anthracite is whatever it's more that Mahadra basically he's pushing on twitter that ucf should just not wear anything that isn't black or gold and he's done that a couple times now he tweeted at one we're point black and gold man someone asked him to not do it and he said anthracite is for schools that's primary color is not black that's not true and then he said we're lucky our primary color is black that's also not true it is not lucky to have a primary color that any school can wear and then he said we'll be the only school in the big 12 that's black and gold that's the thing that just does not matter like, I, like that just doesn't matter. I don't think I've ever given a second thought to like, are there other schools of similar colors? He said, someone else said they felt like the going backwards. He said, not going backwards, looking forward with the best color, black. And this was the one that I really just couldn't get past. So Stephen Leonard replied at one point and said that, uh, you know, it actually, since so many schools, he said gray is the most al common alternate color. So it's actually more unique to not have a shade of it in your jersey arsenal than to have it. And Mahadra replied to that, yes, smart take. So a couple things here. One, you know what the most popular alternate color is in college football? Because it's not anthracite. Black. It's black. So it's black. And also the notion that UCF is being unique by having less uniforms, don't get that either. But basically my point is like, I'm so excited for the new uniforms and it, it's been made pretty clear by Mahadra. They'll just be black and gold. The issue that I feel like Mahadra is not addressing here is that, do you know why UCF has gray and all that stuff? Because your primary color is a color that all 130 teams can wear. And your secondary is a color that you can't make a jersey with. So what exactly are you supposed to do? And I gave my theory on the last podcast that I highly suspect that the reason that they're cutting all the alternate colors is that, or anthracite or whatever, we'll see, is that, you know, you don't like, the, the Nike deal they signed is for two years. So no matter what happens, they're getting new uniforms in two years. So these uniforms that they're about to drop are two-year uniforms. So I can see Mahadra being like, we're not going to spend all this money to stock like six versions of a Jersey that we're going to have for two years. So yeah. that's fine. But if that's the case, I would much rather Mahajur say that and not like basically tell every fan who likes gray, sorry, but you're incorrect. We're going to yeah. wear, we're going to wear the color that everyone can wear. And we're going to have the other color that we can't make a Jersey with. Like, I just it's, don't get that logic. I really, it's don't. far more understandable if you say, yeah, I mean, these are, this is, these are two year jerseys. Like these are two year uniform sets that, you know, why, why go all out and do this color, this color, this color? Like, why go out and do that? If you said that, then okay, okay, yeah, fine. But it just seems like philosophically, if that's the right word for it, he just, he really, even for the future, if this was a six year, eight year deal, he still would be like, no, we're black and gold. That's our colors. We don't and frankly, need, you know. and, and frankly, that's a mistake. I mean, I'll just say it. That's a mistake because for the reasons I pointed, you can't, UCF's color set is so basic and can be replicated by so many teams that denying yourself alternate colors just doesn't make sense to me. So yeah. it makes sense in the parameters of two-year uniforms. So I don't like, I don't care in the interim. And again, it's more specific, like anthracite is whatever. Like every anthracite combo could look better with black. So I get it from that perspective, but it was more his doubling down on, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to have black and gold. And it's like, I don't, 
get that. And it, like, and if in two years they'd still stick to that, they get new uniforms, they sign like a 10 year contract or whatever. And it's still just black and gold. That's concerning to me. So we'll it's see. funny. It's funny too, that they, they said, like, Oh, we're black and gold. Like those are our colors. When like you and I have talked about, it, and I think you said on this podcast before, like that, the black and white UCF logo with like, is a better, is a better look like the black and white stack UCF. We see, I think it's on the, I think it's on the volleyball court and we see it some places. And it's just got a little tiny hint of gold. Yeah. It's got a little bit of gold. It's not, it's not like the whole UCF stack is gold. I think it looks better too. So yeah, it's just I, I funny. Just, that I don't know. I, it just, he's all it, like in I on, said, oh, it's, it's where's it, black and gold, dude. It was for, it was what, like, like I said, you can listen to our previous podcast talked about it. I'm super excited for the new uniforms and I'm sure they're going to be freaking awesome. They're probably going to be better than this set because UCF's making them. I just, it, and it was less even Mahajra saying they were done with Anthracite than more the like fans being like, no, we love Anthracite and him being like, well, you're wrong. Like, it's just yeah. like, all right. Like, well, we're like, moving forward without it. Like, I, I mean, just don't love the dynamic of like new AD comes in, who's been here for a year and just like, sorry, entire fan base who likes this, but that's the wrong take to have. Like, also sorry, like entire fan base who like has, yeah, like has been here and is like, this is, this belongs to the fan base and you're like, he's been here for a year and now he, he knows UCF's identity better than the fan base. Like you see, uh, uniforms are for the players and they are for the fans. Those are the only audiences those are for. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't really, and like, I don't know. I just, and like I said, I, I, like I said, I suspect it's because they're not going to make eight versions of a uniform set they're going to have for two years. So, and, and you know, in a couple of years, if they bring out a bunch of gray, I'm going to be like, Hey, at Terry Mahajra, what happened in the last two years? <laughs> <laughs> you decided you love gray, but I don't Maybe know. Just, go back on it and be like, Oh, I only said that because I just didn't want to give the real, I don't know. The points like, he's making that are weird to me is the whole will be the only black and gold team in the big 12. Like, okay, if you have a gray uniform, you're still the only black and gold team. And, and the whole, like, why wear these other colors when those aren't our colors? It's just like, all right. I mean, that, that works for other schools. Like if you're Florida, like in your orange and blue, I get being like, we don't want to wear yellow. Like that's not the same yeah. thing to me as when you are literally black as your main color, which is everyone's color and your gold, which you can't make a Jersey with. And yeah. you're like, we don't, we, we don't want to do anything else. That that's nice. That's strange to me. So we'll see super excited for the new uniforms. I, I, like I said, this will be, this is more of a concern for like 2025 me. Because if 2025 rolls around, and they're still like black and gold only, man. And I'll be like, okay, that's. I just want these uniforms to drop. I'm really curious. I can't. I can't really wait. Dude, what do you think? Yet. I can't like sleep. Like every day, I'm thinking about the freaking <laughs> uniforms. Like I can't. Like I can't believe that somewhere in the world right now there are new UCF uniforms, and I can't see them. Like I just want to see. It them was so, bad. so in 2016. It was right. They dropped them in May, wasn't it? Yeah. So maybe we get them. Maybe we get them in May again. Um, we'll see. I don't know. Hopefully. We'll see. Um, I think that's, I think Eric DeSalvo tweeted that someone asked him and he said that there's, that there's no timetable right now. I'd have to double check, no. but I think he said that to someone. So, or it was just TBD. So, I, don't I know, mean, it would be, it would be nice to get him. It would be nice to get him then just because after spring ball, we're going to have like this little lull and we're just like, uh, Oh, I'd love to get them in there. So yeah, I, if, if awesome. it would be, yeah. if they want to, if they want to please the fan base you know hurry that up but yeah I mean, like no, i said be... i do just want to clarify everything i just said like i'm in no way stressed or like worried about i'm sure the uniforms are going to be freaking awesome yeah. like i can't wait to see what they come up with i am just kind of like you know i like i just this whole the reasoning behind the no gray i just don't really buy it so that's i just know the I'm launch at. is going to be so cool too like oh, what, what whatever they do on social media like eric with that all the stuff that they that, that department does like it's going to come it's going to be so cool but i, I can't just freaking wait, can't man. wait for it to happen hopefully i also it's... like i actually like don't know what to like physically do with myself if they don't drop it like what if we go to like september or something like i just man i don't even want to think about it i need to see him oh yeah it's stressful all right well this ran a little long but anyway, we're, we're glad to be back we're glad to be back here um and, and we talked about it we we're like oh this is the first time we've taken a, a vacation 
in our history of the podcast. It's been over a year now. And we're like, probably aren't going to have another week off until probably maybe around March next year. So <laughs> might just be a standard, might just be a standard week off every March for us. But yeah, we will be back next week with episode 65 of the Pegasus podcast. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at night sports. Now, thank you guys so much for being with us and we'll talk to you next week. Bye everybody.